Welcome to season two of Better in Bed, the podcast where we talk about sex and inspire you to get better at it. So the topic of today's episode is really very close to my heart because you know that I'm a sex educator and coach. And if you've been following from my very first episode on season one, you'll know the reason why I started Sarah Sands in the first place was because I had a terrible sex education and I really wanted to create a platform for people like me, to access tools and resources to have a satisfying sex life. So if you like this podcast, go to my website, sarahsense.com and sign up for my newsletter to get access to all the other resources I create outside of this podcast and special sex tips that I only share on email. So let me introduce who I have in the studio today. I'm really excited about my co-host because she is Jules Hannaford from the podcast Hong Kong Confidential. And Hong Kong Confidential is personally one of my favorite podcasts. It's also one of the most popular podcasts in Hong Kong. Is it 97 episodes and 70,000? Nearly 90,000. Oh, nearly yeah. 90,000 downloads now. So I feel very honored as well to be, have been featured as a guest on two Hong Kong Confidential episodes. So do check her podcast out. So hi, Jules. Oh, hi, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited that my listeners get to know you as well. So would you like to tell everyone what you've been up to lately? So at the moment, I'm on holidays from my teaching job where I am a teacher of learning for life, where I teach mm -hmm. about sex education, drug mm -hmm. education, all sorts of things about growing up and being a adulting in the real world. And I'm actually currently turning my book, which is a memoir on how I was scammed and assaulted online dating into a true crime podcast. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. And that's really, really exciting. And the podcast, Fool Me Twice, should be mm -hmm. out around the end of September. So, exciting. yeah, it's really exciting. I can't wait to pick it up because I picked up your book as well. So I can't wait for it to be podcast style. So let's talk about our guest now. So our guest, actually a returning guest, Elena Gabrielle. You might remember her from episode 13 of season one of the podcast. She is talking about playing the dating game. She's a comedian, singer, podcaster, and creator of Dirty Cabaret with two R's. And she is currently touring the world with Story Party, the live storytelling show featuring true dating stories. So, Elena, hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me back. This is so exciting. <laughs> I'm so excited too. So, what have you been up to since the last time we saw you? Wow. So, I think it's been like nearly 18 months, I think, since we last caught up. So, since then, I've been traveling every day. So, last year, we did 61 countries, 354 shows around the world with story parties. So, hearing bad dates all over the world. So, that's 354 shows. shows. That's a show every day. Nearly, no, yeah, every, every nearly day. every yeah. day. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. It's so a I've lot. Been yeah. Doing that's a lot. lot. Uh, but yeah, it's been an amazing experience and being able to really find out all the dating from around the world has been really cool. So yeah. 
Wow. So you've been busy. I think, yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, I could be busier. I mean. (laughs) So today's topic is actually everything I wished I learned in sex ed. And that was actually inspired by you, Elena. So do you want to let us know why you picked that topic. Yeah, I guess so, because I really wanted to have you uh, on our podcast. And that's I think this is such a great, with you, Jules, as well, like to be able to talk about it. But for me, traveling around the world and hearing all these dating stories, especially sex stories, because that's what it comes back to a lot of the time with the show, is there just seems to be this like missing link, especially with our generation of, of what we learned in sex education. So just wanted to know, like, what is being taught nowadays in sex education? Because what I learned was very different and very basic. And especially when it came to talking about intimacy and relationships, like I wish I had have learned, hey, how do you have a relationship? Like, or how do you talk to the other sex? Like, and that kind of stuff. And so that's what really inspired me to want to talk to it. And it's really awesome that we've got Jules who actually teaches it. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm really excited to hear, uh, yeah, what we all have to say about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm excited too. So why don't we start with what kind of sex education we each received respectively when we were growing up? Well, being the <laughs> oldest of the group by a long shot, <laughs> things were very different back in the late 70s when I was in early high school. And I really don't recall any sex education at all except one class where the girls were separated from the boys and we were given a lesson on periods and oh. tampons and pads. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much it. Now, whether we got something else and I don't remember, but I'm sure I would have actually remembered that bit. Yeah. yeah. I would have remembered if we got any other sex ed. We what got a bit I- in biology, you know, the, the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. What kind of school did you go to? Was it public, private or? It was a a public school in the country in rural Australia. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was in like year nine in 1979. So that was probably around the time that I got the sex ed, year eight or year nine. So what did the boys get taught? I guess they were taken away and got told something about. (laughs) Taken away to a secret. (laughs) I can't imagine it would have been anything to do with condoms back in those days. (laughs) Yeah. So I have absolutely no idea. Okay. Keeping your Maybe penis wet, clean? I don't wet know. Dreams. Wet dreams? Yeah, yeah wet probably. Dreams. Which they yeah. probably would have already had by then. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, I think it was high school. Yeah, I think it was like mm-hmm. year eight. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my memory's mm-hmm. a bit failed. But what and about year you? eight is how old for people who In Australia, 12. Okay, 12. Okay. Or 13. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I went to a Catholic girls' school, so I got a very different kind of sexual education, which is probably why it's, it's such an interest to me. I remember... When we were in year year seven, so first year, we actually had the nuns come in and tell us about sex ed. Oh, they did? They did. And, of course, they're very biased. So there was a lot of talk about condoms and like, bit like how you shouldn't use them and abstinence. And they also brought in uh, a lot of like little pins, which were had like the baby's hands, like 10, so they were very anti-abortion, things like that as well. So, yeah, it was very, very intense. And then I remember this one nun was talking to me and uh, talking to a group of us and she sort of said that like, oh, we have like, you have a one in like 10, you got to, what did she say? Something about going on a flight, like you're going to go on a flight, but one in 10 of those flights is going to go down. Would you still go on the flight? Now all the girls are like, oh it, was, it was meant to be like, oh a, condo, like a condom, like uh, analogy. analogy. 
But she was saying it to us and like all around all the girls were like, No, I wouldn't go on the I wouldn't go on a flight. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no, no. And so all this thing. And she got to me and she's like, Would you? And I'm like, Hell yeah, I'd go on the flight. <laughs> and then she just gave me a death look and then I, she didn't like me after that. So it was very yeah, no talk about anything. It was more about like abstinence and, you know, yeah, not having sex and No like, sex before marriage. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I and that was imagine. pretty much the extent of it. Like we didn't really have much else after that. It was yeah, more about periods and that was kind of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I have her similar as well because I went to a Methodist school. Right. So they, I mean, I talked about this in season one, so I don't belabor the point, but (laughs) I got shown STIs and the ravages of STIs on genitals. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We had the same thing. We had, we had like a nun came, another nun came in, (laughs) I think year nine, and she came in and pulled down this thing and showed up. I remember it was like a picture of genital warts. And then basically it was like this horrible photo. Yeah. And then she's like, if you see here, it looks like cauliflower. (laughs) And then she pulls out cauliflower (laughs) from a green bag and hands it around the room and everyone's holding this cauliflower. Like, Oh, what no. are we supposed oh to do God. with this? I still bizarre. remember it. And I was there wow. and I'm like, this is just making me not want to eat cauliflower for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, no, like, yeah, it was so bizarre. That it was is, like a shock t- tactic. Like, yeah. That is really bizarre. It was gross. Yeah. Very upsetting to all the vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, cauliflower and cheese sauce never yeah. look the same again yeah. after that. Yeah. So yeah. It was yeah, really yeah. gross. But then what, what happened after that was I actually found a friend's parents book called The Joy of Sex. And that was probably my real sex education because I read that book from cover to cover. Yeah. Like Yes. Actually good you've times. reminded me I found that too. Oh, my parents it's actually book. a pretty yeah, good yeah, yeah. book. So I read that. A yeah. lot. What book is it? So What's actually, it called? The is Joy it? of Sex. It's old, old, old. It yeah. has yes, illustrations. It, in the 60s, I reckon it was wow. created in the sixties okay. and it's all pencil drawn illustrations of all the sex positions and wow. it's a, yes, and I remember reading it a lot and now you've reminded <laughs> yeah. me that's where my sex education came that, from. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Mum and Dad, for yeah. buying the book, The yeah. Joy of Sex. Did they, but did they give it to you? Yeah. No, 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 or no. It was wrapped okay. in brown, brown paper and hidden and I found it. <laughs> and I found my dad's Playboy magazines under the bed as well. Oh, so okay, right. Also, and I used to have to take them up to the dump and throw them right. away. So I'd sit up the dump and yeah. I remember reading a story yeah. about a girl riding on a motorbike with a guy and having sex on the motorbike with the guy wow. as they were riding and yeah. I was thinking – what? How? What? Okay. <laughs> I think that was that was a joy of like at least with that like before the internet was like finding your parents' porn like stash or like anything because me and my brother like we would go on because I grew up on a farm so we had like big sheds that dad would just hide things in everywhere and so we used to go on like these treasure hunts like trying to find pornos or like the little naked cards and stuff like that so it was it was kind of fun whereas yeah. now I don't know what the kids do it's like you oh, can't really just oh I know what the yeah. kids well, do I mean it's I know it's on their phones yeah like, exactly. it's like yeah. No, you can't find your dad's because it's like in the browser history. And I found my grandpa's porn actually, and oh, that was wow. cartoons. So that was, oh. that was sort of comedy cartoons in magazines that had sort of like comedy captions, but right. they were porn cartoons. Wow. So that was really interesting. That was very old school, yeah. and I really quite like that. That was really cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so they well, they just didn't have photography back then, so people actually draw the maybe draw I, the porn. Well, they did. Or have, maybe she just maybe liked that illustrations. Was the style he liked. Yeah. But yes, but they may yeah. have been that old. They may okay. have been that old. That right. That's how they did it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know exactly. They may have been from the forties or the fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, or even yeah, even pre that as well, because mm. it's like a lot of that was it wasn't really easy to find like actual mm. photos or like pornography. It was kind of like a carry on movie in cartoon mm-hmm. form. Mm-hmm. So that was very 
very interesting. So I found that as well. So that was, there you go, that was my sex education. My grandpa, my dad, and that brown paper covered joy (laughs) of sex. Yeah. Yeah, It's so funny how like kids are so like able to find stuff like that and like, oh yeah, like as a kid. Yeah. Well, you're quite resourceful as a kid. I'd love to ask my brother and sister if they found it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever ever share it with your brother? Because like me and my brother, like me and my brother like would find and he would come in and be like, I found dad's king. (laughs) And then I'd be like, I found the cards. And like, We'd sit there and be like, oh, my God, look at that. Like, no, so, I don't think I yeah, ever did. Yeah, interesting. I don't know, but yeah. I'm going to ask them when yeah, I see them Yeah, definitely, next. definitely. Yeah. If you, hey, do you remember that? Yeah. Like, did you see that around the house? That's great. So having the sex educations that we did have, what were some of the messages that we got about sex when we were growing up? It doesn't have to be from sex education, actually, because it could be from everywhere. It could be from the culture. It could be from what your parents said. I mean, for me, the first message was that sex was taboo because my parents never really talked about it. And, you know, it was something where if something like a sexy scene would come up on TV or something, they'd be like, okay, we're changing the channel. Oh, really? Yeah. See, that's very different from mine. Mine was much more... Uh, it was accepted. My mum certainly talked to us about sex as, as kids and teenagers mm-hmm. and it wasn't, definitely wasn't taboo. And But there was an element of like mystery because of the brown paper around the door <laughs> of sex. Like there's a clue that that's something like yeah. isn't quite right. Right, um, yeah. But we certainly didn't change the channel or whatever. But there was an awkwardness if there's a sexy mm. scene and the whole family is watching something on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunday night, it is Sunday night on the couch <laughs> and watching ABC or SBS, and it's yeah. like, oh, okay, let's just sit there and wait. Yeah. yeah. And mum and dad were pretty free and easy running around the house with no clothes on as well, which really irritated the hell out of me as a teenager. (laughs) Were they they nudists? No, they weren't nudists. They weren't nudists, but it's just like from the shower to the bedroom where we go naked and stuff and, you know, sit in just dressing gowns of an evening or whatever. And it was just like, it annoyed me as a teenager. I can imagine, yeah. Come (laughs) on, will you? (laughs) But at the same time, I did, you know, see real life naked grown Mm. adults as a kid, which is pretty healthy yeah and and you're comfortable with your body so for me I remember how I learned to not be comfortable with my body because I as women we get sort of like you know a little bit of discharge once we get of age this is not even at the age of getting periods yet right it's just the natural lubrication and wetness that we have and once um, my mom started seeing that I was getting this stuff on my underwear she was like Oh, she, she'd just be like, no, 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 we need to get you all of the scented panty products. And she just plied me scented panty products. And she was like, this is, you know, we need to wash this. And she said, we had a helper. And she was like, you need to wash this yourself because we can't let your helper wash this stuff. It's dirty. And, oh, you know, a it's a sense of shame around yeah. it. Yeah, it was. So I remember that very clearly. And that, again, gave me this message that, oh, there's something that I'm producing out of my body that isn't, it's dirty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I didn't have that either. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like yeah. in the wash, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I, I don't think it was really spoken about with my family in particular, like sex or like whenever I would say something like dick or vagina, mum would just hand, like that's when I got my sex education from my parents. She just went to the library and got me like well, like a sex book, but not the one that you were talking about, but just like yeah. a very like. Oh, no, that was an adult one. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. one was like, oh, yeah, I can't remember the yeah, name so of it. I got that too. Everyone now got you're it. reminding yeah, me. Yeah, and it was my mum like, bought that. There's an Australian sex book that kids got. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember the called? name of it. but it, Yeah, and it was just like a cartoon and. 
It literally was just like, when a boy likes a girl and all that kind of stuff. So very basic sex education, but it was something I remember mum was just like, here you go. But it wasn't, uh, I didn't, I don't think I had really a lot of shame about it. It was just, my parents worked a lot when I was a kid. So it was really left to me and my brother. And we grew up like with the start of the internet. So we, you know, at the age of 10 or 11 had access to the internet. So we started looking at things online because mum and dad weren't there. So it was like, and just remember watching my brother trying to bring up a naked lady and it was taking like 10 or 15 minutes just to load one photo and it was like slow yes. so it was like oh, nipples first and then it's like come on <laughs> come on the book was called where did I come from where did I come yeah. from that's it that's yeah it. yeah so, yeah. Oh, so that's interesting because we're separate generations but, but you still, still got it I still got it later. I still yeah. got so it my mum bought that home for I us just, I, well. I remember getting the library book and I was like I don't want to touch this library book because it's just like everyone's <laughs> read it and I was like oh something like and be weird about it so you weren't traumatized by the cauliflower and the nuns not really I think I was like I was just like a very sexual person so when I think I don't know if I spoke about this last time I was here but the reason that I really you know I always wondered why I was so dirty minded and really filthy and like had these like uh you know like dirty jokes all the time and I found it was what I thought was my dad but it was actually my grandmother who I never met she had like cassette and record tapes of dirty dicks I don't know if you're like it's like this old he, he was like, oh, like Australian kind of like larrikin kind of guy. And he sang these really dirty ditties oh, like. Um, yeah. um, and the hair's on a dicky dye. Yeah. Or all down that. to her knees. Exactly. Like one, one, white, yeah, one, one, yeah. with and a bit she of shite. She hasn't got a woo, woo, wet, <laughs> yet, like all that sort of stuff. So I used to, I used to go around the house singing those songs. I had that too. Yeah. So at the age of, at the age of like four or five, like I'm just, cause you know, you so like, and I was just singing all these songs and then like I found South Park and was singing like all of those kind of dirty songs. So it just like kind of. You know, that's where my mind went. So it was always just thinking about that. And my mum and dad always say that I'm exactly like my grandmother because she was very similar to me. But we, even though we never met, we had the same sense of humour and very dirty and all mm, that kind of stuff. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it's like it's kind of like nice. this nice like connection. Connection, yeah. even though she died just before I was born. It was like, oh, we still have this like connection going through. Like, Isn't so, that funny? Yeah. Like, we must be 20, at least 20 years, the age difference. Yeah, was, How old are you? I was born in 88, so I'm 30, 30. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, twenty three years difference, yeah. but we still had similar um, upbringing, sex education in, sex mm-hmm. in yeah. Australia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's that's a long mm. time. Twenty years and things haven't changed, changed that much. No. And I don't. And you didn't get the nuns, so yeah. count yourself lucky. No. <laughs> I, I did. Went. I went to boarding school though. A, yeah. a Church of England one. Right. And I don't remember. I was only there two years, but I don't remember any sex ed there. I'll, I'll have to find out. Ask the girls yeah. whether we had anything, but. Because my cousins went, so part of the, like, the Catholic school that I went to it was very, like, you know, like a family. Like, if your family went there, then the the, the daughter can go. If your grandmother went there, like, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. And because it's a very prestigious school, apparently, whatever. And so now my cousins have just, like, graduated and it's completely different there. Because when we were there, it was, like, no talk about, like, homosexuality or anything mm-hmm. like that. And now I was talking to my cousin. She's like, oh, yeah, like, girls are, like, making up behind the, the uh-huh. gym and, like, they're talking – they're, like, dating. And I was like, what? Like, you couldn't do that 12 years ago or, like, 15 years ago. It was just so taboo and you couldn't do it. But it's, like, things are, I think, starting to change. Yeah. So be interesting yeah. to find out what Catholic school education yeah. sex ed is like now. I, I don't know. I don't imagine it's changed too much. But. Yeah, I still, I still think they would have the fundamental no sex before marriage. Yeah. No condoms. Don't pull use out. contraception. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord will give you as many babies as you deserve, blah, blah. I don't blah. think that. 
that's changed. No, yeah, no, I still, but yeah. I, well, the Bible maybe hasn't changed in fifteen years. I don't think it's going to change. And I think when it comes to sex education, the bottom line is it comes down to individual schools. Yes, I mean the the Catholic schools will have a curriculum mm. in that they follow. I'm sure yep. in in Australia, but then it comes down to the delivery from the teacher and how much backing you get from the principal. Totally, that's you, like that here. It's yeah, it's optional here. Sex ed, so it's not mandatory in Hong Kong. What? Um, and it depends on the individual school, the extent of how、mm. much sex ed. Sec- yeah, our sex education at my school is excellent. Yeah, but you're in、It's、an international.、Really、I'm in an international school, British system. Right. Yeah. But the sex education is really great because of the time and effort that I've put in in the last twenty、yeah. years with my colleague Naomi, and how we created it. It would also depend on the teacher and then what、yes. how they want to do it.、But、oh yeah. If it's not mandatory in a school,、yeah. can a teacher still teach it, or is it, or can still talk about it? Depends it, on the principal. It、yeah. really depends.、Right. Yeah, yeah. But also. If even if it was mandatory,、mm. I mean the way it's taught sends a message as well. If、totally. the teacher is fundamentally red faced and uncomfortable, uncomfortable, and being like, "Okay, guys, you can read all of this by yourselves in the textbook," so I'm not gonna、mm. say too much about it.、Yeah. You know, that also gives you a certain message. Absolutely,、totally. and there's men. There are many teachers who are not comfortable teaching sex ed, but、right. luckily. More and more people are becoming、mm-hmm. more comfortable because there、mm-hmm. are so many resources now, and、yes. so you can really learn a、yeah. lot online and from YouTube and all that sort of thing. But one of the things we do at school is we get all of the students to write their questions down and put it in a box, and then we have a panel、oh. and、oh. we bring in three female teachers、yep. and three male teachers from different, like the science teacher and the maths teacher,、mm-hmm. and. They come in and then we、yeah. give them each a bunch of questions and then we go just go through and answer the questions to half of the year level, and they're great, great. questions. Yeah. Yeah. The questions are fantastic and it's really really good to see、yeah. different teachers who don't teach sex ed at all up there talking about sex comfortably.、Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I remember、brilliant. we we did that. I remember, now that you say that, I remember we did that where we had to put、uh, yeah like write a question and put it in. But everyone we had this like male teacher who everyone like didn't really like, so they were putting in like. Really weird questions and stuff,、so, so, and he just wouldn't answer them.、Oh, so I, like, I got a question once: is an is an orgasm like a pineapple? And the kids <laughs> laughed and laughed. They absolutely、like、loved it. <laughs> yeah, and I just made fun of it and said, yeah, "Yes, it's、yeah. just like a pineapple." It's and, sweet、uh, and sour. And then, and then it became like a, a, an urban myth. And every year for a few years, I'd、wow. get that same question. Like that,、yeah. that would get passed on from year to year, and someone would、That's、always、great. put, "Is an orgasm <laughs> like, like a pineapple?" <laughs> for about five years. And I read it out every time. It was That's、brilliant. great. Yeah, it was That's、really、so、fun. great. That's、yeah. so fun. Yeah. So were you made to actually feel shameful for any part of your sexuality、mm. while growing up? I think a lot of shame was more around like homosexuality and that kind、uh-huh. of thing. So in terms of, I think that's one thing that I wish I had of like had more of was that it's okay、oh. to like. Women and men, like it's it's fine to be bisexual or to、mm-hmm. have these feelings of oh, like I find another woman attractive or things like that. I think that was the main issue because it's like there's so much of that. Like you, then you bottle for so many years, being like oh, just you know this internalized either you know homophobia or about、yeah. that. So that's something that I really really wish had have been something that was spoken about and not so shamed. I guess growing、yeah. up. 
So I learned about homosexuality through my aunt when I was about 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. I went to stay with her and she was very creative and in the arty scene in Adelaide and she knew a lot of people in the media and so she had some gay friends. Okay. And so she talked about them and their sexuality and it was so accepted and it was so I just thought it was so cool and I felt so grown up that she was telling me about it and I was, yeah. everyone was so accepting. But I did ask her a question and said something along the lines of, you know, has he always known that he's a poof? I used the word poof and I didn't uh, recognise okay. that yeah. that wasn't yeah. mm -hmm. a correct word to use mm -hmm. because this is the kind of language I'd heard in the country in Australia because it had been sort of negative put-down language of homosexuals. And so my auntie got really angry with me. I still remember I was horrified and wow. embarrassed and I got wow. really upset. Yeah. I mean, she didn't mean to upset me, but yeah. it's so interesting. I'm very sensitive to criticism, obviously, but, yeah. but it was just because I really hadn't had much other sort of role models or positive mm -hmm education about yeah. sexuality before yeah. that so yeah. but that was a great lesson I learned yeah. I've never really used the word since yeah so. and that's something yeah. that you really remember as well remember and that's it not very something well. they would teach in a formal sex education class maybe I as, would oh you would yeah. you yes. okay yes. Like, yes we definitely teach about language slang and, and slang and, oh, and how wow. language impacts people very and, progressive sex in education in fact for the last two years yeah. we've had a week at our school called mm -hmm. Ally Week where we right. celebrate mm -hmm. LGBTQ and the focus Fantastic. And the first year was on language and how language yep. can impact people. Right, and right. this year it was on diversity and inclusion. So oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. God, yeah, things are really good. moving, which I is know. really good to hear. Well, my, yeah, my knowledge of gay people, I mean, at that, when I was growing up, I never even knew anyone was gay. I'm sure people were gay, but because it was so taboo to talk about, they just never really came out. And, I was in an all-girls school, so, you know, the girls would have crushes on teachers all the time. and But that was always dismissed as, oh, you know, you'll grow out of it. And all of, because whatever little sex education we got from Singapore was standardized by the Ministry of Education, and it's all very family-oriented. So, because their point and their mission in providing sex education is just about reproduction, really. So there's always a male and there's always a female. So it's kind of like a heterosexual coupling most of the times in these, you know, scenarios that they give you in sex education. And so I never really understood this idea of like same-sex couples and so on. So when you had your, I think back to your sort of early sexual encounters then, did you feel prepared, unprepared when that actually happened? Hmm. I was really re kind of ready at 15 and couldn't oh. get it. <laughs> okay. I had all these crushes yeah, and, yeah. you know, I was pining after all these guys and writing in my diary about how much I love them oh. and all my friends were dating them and mm -hmm. I couldn't get a boyfriend. It's actually been a metaphor for my, my whole life actually, right. which is really interesting. That's how my whole life has mm -hmm. progressed. Mm -hmm. So I didn't lose my virginity till I was 17, but I really felt like I, I you know, I really wanted to around yeah. 15. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah it's, it's funny because like I was – especially in like high school and stuff, I was, I, all my friends were gay because mm -hmm. like we, we, I was at an all girls school, yeah. but I just get along better with like with guys because I think growing up on the farm and just like that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And so I spent a lot of the time at the all boys school, but what I didn't realize that all my guy friends, like 10 of them, as soon as we graduated, all of them were like, I'm gay. <laughs> like, cause it's like, you don't, they didn't want to say it when they were there in high right. school. So yeah. I was around a lot of them, but 
I would think I was ready for sex. I was very sexual. Like I was, I had mm-hmm. a lot of sexual energy, but I just wasn't very confident in my body and like in the way that I looked. So it was very, it was kind of like, I want to do it. But then also like these insecurities of like, I don't know if people yeah. want it, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I lost my virginity. Uh, when I was 17 in a foursome which is like oh wow yeah. you went straight into it I went straight into it which god I hope my mom is not listening to this although I think she kind of knows because it came up at, at in my hometown at the show my, yeah. my gay friend wrote it he was like my first and last gay uh, like straight experience with, with Eleanor and then he just stood up and was like like waving to everyone and I was like oh my god my parents are in the audience like but uh yeah I mean but we were drama kids so we were just so like sexually energized all the time anyway right so we just got drunk one night there's four of us and it was a bit crazy but yeah so four of you being you and a guy two guys and, and a girl two guys and a girl yeah so it was two girls two guys right right, right, right. Two, two gay two, guys two gay guys right two bi girls yeah and two bi girls yeah oh that's so great it was that's so yeah, it was um, yeah. it was an experience. But yeah. anyway, I was very drunk. That's what happens when you don't really yeah. know what you're doing. Yeah. You just get drunk and yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but at least it was it was. I mean, it wasn't romantic. It's never romantic the first time or anything like that. But it's it was at least it was consensual. But then after that, I had mm. a lot of experiences where. I wish I had have learnt more about consent yeah. and not feeling guilty to say no. Oh, yes, absolutely. I want to yeah. oh, definitely. For me, my first sexual experience was at 17. And I would say that I was ready for it because I was so curious already. When you s- suppress and repress something, all it does is just make you more curious to do it, exactly. right? But what, could I say I was fully prepared? I would say no because all of my early experiences were completely unprotected because at that point of time, I felt so shameful to even walk into like a 7-Eleven to go and buy condoms because that would mean that I'm having sex. <laughs> so I just, I would say I'm just lucky that I didn't end up as, you know, some kind of teenage statistic because I could very, very easily have done that. So when I, it came around to having sex as well, it was very, very much my partner. I would say it was consensual, but he definitely was leading the charge, of you course, know. Yeah. And I like, I think maybe many women never really thought about my own boundaries or anything. So I think whatever he w- wanted to do at that point of time, I would probably just have gone along with it. And then maybe regretted it later. Thankfully, I had a pretty thoughtful partner, so it ended up being okay. But I can imagine that had he been, you know, extremely rough or, or, or whatever, he wanted to do something, I wouldn't really have known how to say no. Mm. And because well, when you're not taught about that, yeah. you learn stuff from movies or from, yeah. you know, like what you're seeing on television. So it's like you see these things in movies where the men really take the charge and they do this and the women are like, oh, okay. Like, blah, blah. So that's where you sort of, you learn it. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray area. And I think that's really the reason, part of the reason why I really suggested this topic was because a lot of the stories that we hear from around the world, especially if we're in like more university towns, like we, people write their stories and drop them in the bucket and we, we read them before we like read them out. Cause obviously there can be, but there was so many stories. There's one town like in Norway and there was just so many stories of like, Oh, I got really drunk and then I woke up and I think I had sex with him, but I'm not sure. And like, just like these really gray mm. rape areas where I'm yeah. just reading them. And I like my insides were just like, Oh my God, like, this can't keep happening. Like we need to learn more about consent and, yeah. and about relationships and 
talking to each other and open and honest and being truth and, and that's so true. Yeah. Um, there's that cup of tea video, you know, yes. the consent cup of tea. I love video. that cup of tea. It's brilliant. brilliant. So we use yeah. that in yeah, school. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Be careful because there's one that's got the f bomb all the way through it. I've accidentally <laughs> put the wrong one on once. The kids loved it. I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> sorry. But maybe that, that might shock them yeah, more yeah, and it might no, make them listen. Can, talking about consent's really important, but also talking about responsible drinking and drug use mm-hmm. is really important as yeah. well because mm-hmm. this is where the lines are getting blurred and there's kids not only need to know about consent but they need to know about self-respect and just taking care of themselves and not getting so smashed that they're legless vulnerable can't walk and then can't remember exactly not that that is an invitation for sex Mm. of course but Mm. you are more vulnerable definitely yeah i wanted to say that when i first had sex condoms weren't even discussed because i lost my virginity in 1983 and the aids crisis only began in 1981. Wow. So Australia wouldn't have even heard about AIDS until about 83, 84, 85. That's when it would have come to Australia and we got the Grim Reaper ad was the first one we got where there was a Grim Reaper bowling a ball down and killing all these families with a bowling ball. And that's really my first conscious knowledge of condoms and the importance of using condoms would have been around that time. Mm -hmm. So I definitely had unprotected sex because nobody had ever taught me That I needed to because I wasn't Catholic, so I would just go on the pill. Yeah, you see. But what about STIs and like were they were they spoken about? No, no, I don't remember getting any kind of education on STIs at school, and hadn't I don't remember considering it. But I certainly yeah. know that I didn't use condoms in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it hadn't really – no, so I wasn't educated on that at all. Mm. I think that needs to – I think that would be really funny to do something with sex ed like and just like – because for me it was like there was like this shame of going to buy condoms. It was yeah. like, oh, my God, like I'm so embarrassed about buying condoms. Like they, whereas now I like go – I'm like, yeah, I'm having sex. Like, and <laughs> yeah. you buy like random yeah, things. Extra like big. I'm, Yeah, extra big. And <laughs> yeah. then I buy like bananas and like whipped cream. And I was like trying to like put the weirdest things together. Like it's really, really, really cool. Fun. Um, but like as a, as a kid you don't you don't do that you just kind of yeah. like oh my god I want to buy condoms so you just put them like underneath <laughs> things and like try and like push them through but yeah. I think that, that would be fun and there's yeah. places some some universities give them out in the student union oh, and yeah. some yeah. M- uh, medical health places give out yeah. condoms there's places where people can get free condoms yeah. which is great as well yeah yeah because they're probably not cheap. Yeah. They're expensive. Yeah. But I used to do that with like Dirty Cabaret. My original mm-hmm. like the Cabaret sex positive one was we just gave out condoms and I just would call up the sex health clinic and say, hey, I'm doing a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very sex positive. Um, we want to give out condoms and lube. And they're like, yep, cool, come in. And I ended up getting like nearly a thousand from the, the one in Melbourne they gave me. <laughs> and so I went on the plane to Perth to do my show with my whole carry on. <laughs> my whole carry on was just condoms. Wow. And I went through the thing and I'm thinking like, they're probably thinking like, what the hell is this yeah, girl up to? <laughs> Trafficking, yeah, trafficking, yeah. Or like, oh, she's having a good time in Perth. Either <laughs> one. We have sixteen wooden penises at school and a box mm. of condoms, wooden and we, ones. yeah, and mm. we go around and we do, um, we teach the kids how to put condom on the wooden penis, Amazing. and we and mm-hmm. we get them to do it blindfolded. And do you have different oh, just to make fun. it even more fun? Oh, and the fact nice. just to show them, you know, to really get them to think about doing it the right way yeah. around, and the fact that they might have to do it in the dark, and yeah, and we always talk about. Uh, you know, lesbians, you may not need this, but, you know, you never know. It's a handy skill just in case. And there's also the um, femidom or the dental yeah. dam yeah. as well. So, and gay guys, you still need to. So we're very, we're really careful about being really inclusive for sexuality and gender as well. Yeah, that is really mm. good. Although I think that condom use probably had a huge spike 
in the 80s when there was the AIDS crisis and the awareness of that. Yes, and I think it was in the gay community. I think and, they really took responsibility. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Like I would say 100%, mm. you know, condom use is probably at its highest. And I feel like it's dipped quite a bit because now with these days, the AIDS crisis is not so much of a crisis anymore. And, you know, you people live with HIV for a very, very long time and, and you have all these pet prep you know, all of these things where I think there is much more, I would say, flexible condom use than before. Mm. I think the main thing now for like STDs and STIs is, you know, like the antibiotic resistant, like chlamydia and gonorrhea and things like that. Like, whereas, you know, you're reading these stories where it's like, wow, it's like these are antibiotic resistance. So gonorrhea is one of the biggest one, which has like antibiotic resistance. Yeah. Which is scary because it's like that, that's, that's there for life. Yeah. Like if it's can't can't get rid of it. So. Yeah, I think you can. I think some serious things can happen with you have like uncurable gonorrhea. Mm, it can, it can um, affect your brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what do you wish that you learned about consent and healthy boundaries? Because we kind of live in the, I would say, the post Me Too era these days, and I think as a result of all of that, it. A, showed that we didn't really have very good education about about what healthy boundaries were. And B, I think, and that's on both men and women sides as well. And I think B, what I really learned is that now I think the idea of consent is almost higher than it was before. There is what we call this idea of like affirmative consent, right? And it's where only a yes and a very, very enthusiastic yes means yes. Yeah, and you've got to keep checking along the way. <laughs> exactly, and you have to keep checking yeah. along the way. And, you know, because a sort of a maybe is not a yes, or a yes, you know, but a not very enthusiastic yes could also be a no, because I've also been in that situation where I've said yes, where because I felt bad for leading the other person on, where... I wasn't really sure, but I just was like, I'll just go along with it because we're already here. Yeah, I had a threesome sprung on me once when I was not expecting it and I didn't have the skills to get out of it. I was only, oh gosh, I don't even know how old I was, 20, 19, 20, and I just didn't have the skills to get out of it. I didn't really know about consent and boundaries and you know, also it, it's about self-esteem and wanting to be liked and not wanting to make a fuss. And yeah. so I really just got it over and done with and got out of there as quickly as I could. I could, But in actual fact, I didn't yeah. want to do it. Oh, absolutely. And it was it was really sle- sleazy the way it was yeah. just sprung on me. Like the guy literally, the guy I was with had his mate ready and brought him into the room. Oh, so it was two guys. Yeah, it was you. two guys right. and he right. he brought him in. It was prearranged and this was a short, yeah. creepy drummer guy right. who was just really gross. Yeah. Yeah. I've been even. So it was very dodgy. Yeah. Mm. I've even been within the sex act and then I've suddenly been like, Oh, I really don't feel it. This and I really wanted to get out of it. But I'm like, well, I'm already here. I'm already naked and I was like, mm. what do I say? Yeah. I got you know, better like, with that though as yeah, I got older. I, like I actually took somebody home once yeah. and got them into bed and just realized, yeah. no, nah, this is not right. The, yeah. The energy, the, the energy, the smell, yeah. everything was yeah. just and yeah. I was just like, no, yeah. sorry, see ya and and made him leave. Yeah. So I got much better at it very right. quickly. That's really good because yeah. I think as, That would have been in my mid 20s. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that was mid 20s for me as well. 
I would say as an Asian woman, a lot of sometimes the cultural messaging that we get is this idea that you're a little bit more placid and, you know, you let the man take charge and we fall sometimes into the more traditional gender roles. So I was like always taught to be polite and demure and so I just never felt like I could be like, okay, I want this to stop. Yeah, yeah. that's so interesting because I wasn't taught that. Yeah. And I think that did really help me to be able to get myself mm-hmm. out of a number of very yeah. difficult situations when I was yeah. younger. I think, After yeah. that threesome experience, I think I really learned that I've got to take charge. And if I don't want to do something, don't do it. And it's fine. Yeah. I think that's that's probably something that really, like, like for me, wish had been taught, like, as a woman, you can be like uh, not aggressive but you can come and say what you want and it's you shouldn't feel shameful for doing that yeah. mm-hmm. and say what you want in sex or if you don't want sex yeah yeah but yeah. also yeah. i think like, as well. men need to understand that there's so many times that women don't feel comfortable like i've had conversations with guys and i've said like oh yeah like or they said to me like oh why did you why did you fuck that guy and i'm like because i was scared or because i was in a situation where like i didn't know like i didn't know how to get out of it they always said to me like really like is that a th-? and then they start to think about like their so i think they they just mm-hmm. have no like they just have no concept of that's how a woman might be feeling because we're literally letting someone inside of us like it's it's a it's a big thing and that's another thing that i hear all these stories it's like you know i was scared or like these sort of like gray rape areas where you know, you're in these situations where I, I know I have been in where you just kind of go like, maybe if I just have sex with him, like he'll leave and then, then that's it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So that's something that I think is is really important for me. Like Because you know. the cultural messages that guys get are also that you pursue, that mm-hmm. you are not aggressive, but the more in some ways persistent you are, there mm. are so many rewards that can come with that, yeah. right? There is the example of the, oh, you know, she said no at first, but then, you know, I changed her mind yeah, and then eventually it. we had yeah. the amazing time and got married, like, I don't know, for like 10 years afterwards. So, you know, there are stories like that as well that I feel like very confusing for men too. I think I was very lucky growing up with a very feminist mum. Like I come from a culture where the boys went off to boarding school, but the daughters didn't go. And my mum was like, well, if the boys are going, the girls are going. And so they're all going. And she was like, you've got to have your own career and you never rely on a man and all this sort of thing. And when I was 16, I went on a date with this guy who from another town who I didn't know very well at all. And somehow I ended up staying the night in the spare room at his house and he came in and got on top of me and tried to have sex with me, like literally tried to rape me in his family home. And I stuck my legs together like scissors and like he couldn't get them apart because I was super big and strong. (laughs) And I was just like, you get off me or I'm going to scream for your mother. And and he did. He got off me and he left. So at 16, I had the wherewithal to keep my legs firmly Mm -hmm. together. Like he literally couldn't get them apart. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, so do you keep your ladies? Yeah. Like, do you squat? Yeah. 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 So I was a strong, like, wow. running right. ath- athletic girl. Right. And I was just like, right. oh, you get off me, I'm going to yeah. scream for your mother. Oh and um, he got off yeah. and left. Yeah. So, you know, that was an experience yeah. where I yeah. saved myself That's from being great. raped I think most, at only 16. Yeah. I think most women need to, like, have that feminist because I grew up in an Italian, like, and I go, like, my grandmother pretty much, like, raised me because my parents were working. Mm-hmm. And so I used to see her, like, fall into these roles of just, like, waiting on the man hand and foot. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to, like, Italy, I saw that and it still happens there now, like, where it's just, like, the woman's in the home, she cooks all day, she cleans all day, she does the laundry. And the man goes off to work, comes back, and it's very like woman waiting on man. 
And that was like what was really – and like I, I had friends that had like real feminist mothers. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool. <laughs> like I wish I had that because it's like this real strong strength in there. Yeah, so. I, I definitely appreciate that upbringing, yeah. especially because I grew up in the 70s mm. and yeah. the 80s. Mm. So, you know, that Having was Having great role models is mm, so definitely. important for yeah. women. Yeah. And that served me well later on in life, getting yeah. myself out of mm-hmm. these situations where I was, yeah. you know, my I think, I think my life was at stake. Yeah. 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 And with yeah. the online dating scam. Yeah. 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 So that by that helped. time you had developed a healthy no, get out of here. Oh, yes, I guess. But also I'd been in two domestic violent relationships in my 20s right. for five years each. Okay. Yeah. So I think when I got to this incident in the UK with this guy, which my book is focused on, mm-hmm. Because I'd been in these domestic violent relationships, it was kind of like, oh, no, here we go again. And I was able Mm -hmm. to stay super calm. I didn't get angry and I didn't get hysterical. I just kept my wits about me and just was like, how am I going to get the car back? How am I going to get out of this alive? And I think that, like, that's also where it's, like, that message of, like, being a single woman is okay. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to be in a relationship to be happy. And that's another thing that I really try and put through with the show is, like, to mostly the audience of single women is to say, like, it's you can be happy and single. And actually the studies show that single women are actually happier than if they're in a marriage or mm-hmm. in a relationship. So it's yeah. it's, like, it's nice to know that, like, oh, yeah, like, Yes, consent, all this sort of like sex education, mm-hmm. but also, yeah, you can be happy and single as a woman. That's, yeah. like, That's super true. And like oh. I was a single mother yeah. really from the yeah. time my daughter was 10 months old and yeah. did it all by myself all yeah. the way through. And you're amazing. she's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah can, you're it can amazing. be done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. I know. You're I'm just amazing. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I feel, I feel very lucky that I got my education. I'm very right. lucky and, yeah. and you know, that was free as well in Australia yeah. back in those days yeah. except the last year they bought in mm. HEC. So my, my university debt was only 7000 Australian dollars. So I was, I was born in – I grew up in a lucky era but I'm very lucky I had that education and I've been able to go as a teacher overseas and, you know. And then impart your knowledge which is then, you know, hoping yeah. the next generation gets that and yeah. goes forward. And some it. of these stories that I've told today I tell the students mm-hmm. when I'm talking to wow. them about sex education. I've told the story to them about with the boy with the legs together yeah. and stuff yeah. and yeah. consent and – you know, really make it clear to girls that you can say no at any time. You yeah. Know, that we, this is what, and we've got to talk about feelings and relationships and boundaries and what's acceptable and, and what's right for you and making sure that you communicate that and all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. But also mm. that people check in all the time that consent is the new standard is that it's ongoing right it has to be yes at every point of the way yes just because you had a cup of tea one day doesn't mean you can have a cup of tea another day (laughs) exactly exactly so let's talk about our early relationships then early romantic relationships if you can remember that what were the challenges there do you feel prepared were you unprepared prepared to have one For me, I think it was fairly straightforward. I was 17, my first year out working in the bank. I got a job in the bank for a year, which I absolutely hated. That's so not me. (laughs) And I was dating this guy who was a bit of a geek looking back. Like he was a bit, like he wasn't like this gorgeous hunk, but he was a decent guy. And we moved into a share house in Adelaide with 10 other people and just lived like, you know, adults and just partying and drinking and carrying on and you know, had a great life and it was fairly straightforward. So, yeah, and sex was good and I didn't have too many hang-ups and it all went fairly smoothly. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, mine's probably very, very different because I like obviously hang around a lot of gay people. Mm -hmm. But then I remember like I have this thing where like I think I can fix someone. I'm like, oh, you're broken. Oh, vulnerability. Oh, my God. I can fix you. I can help you. (laughs) Me too. And it's like it's actually been to my detriment for a Mm -hmm. a long time and a lot of my dating life, which is something I'm working on. But uh, I think my first proper boyfriend was gay, but he hadn't come out yet. So That was a really interesting time for me because I was 19 and I was dating him and we dated for three months Mm. and there was no sexual contact, nothing for Mm. three months, which I was, I remember in the relationship about a month in, I was like, oh my God, I'm so horny. Is this, is this how long you have to wait? Like, do you have to wait? Mm -hmm. Like we were just kissing and that was it. And I was thinking like, oh my God, like, is it like, come on. And then it got to two months and I was like, oh, and I remember one night Mm. I jumped him and I took off my top and he was like, oh, um, actually, can you, um, can you put that back on and okay. I was like never before yeah. rejection yeah, no. and like this is someone who was my boyfriend and yeah. I, I was so confused because yeah. no one had told me like oh maybe that's him it's not you so mm-hmm. then I had a lot of body issues after that because it was like he didn't come out until at least I think two or three years later after right. that yeah. So I broke up with him. I was like, I can't do this. Uh-huh. And and then he was like, oh, okay. Blah, blah. And then, yeah. And then after that, I like, I developed an eating disorder and had anorexia for God, like no, many, many, many years. No. So it was like that thing where it was like, you know, it's, you can't just take what a man would say about you, you know, in that moment. And that really affected me. And, yeah. but whereas it was, it was not me, it was, it was his issues, but you have to have enough self-esteem totally in, in yourself. Yeah. And people also need to be aware about how they can their words can impact others as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're coming back to big the words. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess he was a gay. So yeah. He didn't and I mean, he's happy now. And yeah. Your it's, breasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm like, come it on, was like, probably <laughs> very confronting for him. Yeah. 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 But yeah. You can see how something like that could yeah, spiral I you could. into something I, like anorexia. Yeah. yeah it makes absolutely. Sense, especially if you had yeah. no clue where it was coming totally. from. Totally. I mean, yeah. the seeds were like grown, like laid a lot earlier than that in terms mm. of like, you know, I, I think as well the body image thing was like, because I grew up with an Italian family and everything was about food and about eating mm. and, and then also about like, oh, you can't put on weight and like you've got to look good and mm. all this sort of stuff. So, I mean, you know, the seeds were still there, but like that I think then really just flipped me into this like, oh, okay, like this is, I've got to be skinny. I've got to look good. I've got to look superficially good that then he would maybe like me or like guys will like me and that kind yeah. of stuff. So yeah. yeah, it's a, it's like words. Yeah. Words can really affect you. I think even more so than actions sometimes. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I look at my early relationships and I think one of the things I learned was what I defined as sexy was literally what boys would define as sexy. And I didn't really have this sense of, how to be sexually confident or sexually attractive from the inside out. Everything was all for really like the validation of somebody else. And that's why I wore short skirts because I wanted to be validated by the guys. That's why I, I I think even in the bedroom, you know, that's why I gave blowjobs all the time and didn't, you know, really ask for them to go down on me because it was my idea that I'm this like sex maniac and, you know, they're going to, you know, say how sexy I am if I go down on them and I'm like super enthusiastic. I never really learned how to ask for anything for myself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very common, a common thing too, because mm-hmm. it's like you want to please the man and like you do yeah. that, whereas like, you know, you feel shameful. Mm-hmm. And then because sometimes guys will be like, ew, I don't want to like, especially I think in teens and early 20s, a lot of guys just don't know what to 
do when they're eating pussy like they don't know what to do <laughs> so they just kind of they're just like ew i don't want to do that ew great it's like that kind of stuff but i think guys are either into it or they're not into yeah, it yeah exactly it seems yeah. to be the the, the, the yes way. or no and it's cultural it. as well it, yes That's it is i've noticed that like yeah. um especially traveling around the world like mm-hmm. some countries are like mm-hmm. yeah or they they won't say they do it but they're like yeah they still do it but they're like ew yuck no i don't do that whereas they <laughs> demand from mm-hmm. the woman yeah And so what unique challenges do you think young people are facing today with regards to sex and dating? Because we're actually all of a certain generation now, so we're not in our teens and 20s anymore. Well, I think you've touched on it already, but mm-hmm. the post Me Too era really mm-hmm. has to mean that they've got to be super careful about consent. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something. And then I think porn is another thing that mm-hmm. really is impacting dating, sex, and they're just their view on what things should really be like. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps the lack of consistent and good, decent sex education globally, you know, that would yeah. be really, really helpful if there was – you know, a standard yeah. around the world. But, yeah. of course, we're not going to get that when there's still 72 countries around the world where it's illegal to be gay. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. such a And contrast. adultery is illegal yeah. in places yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. So, but podcasts like this can help us work towards that. <laughs> yeah. But I think they're the things that I think that young people these days really are faced with the challenge what about yeah you? I think uh, yeah I think porn is definitely one because like when I sleep like I've recently slept with like younger guys in their early 20s and you can tell that they you can tell when you sleep with someone if they watch a lot of porn and oh yeah and it, it's really interesting as a woman oh, you can yeah. be like oh okay he's not staying hard like he's not or he'll do things oh, where you're yeah, like very rough very like, rough yeah you know, like head straight for the vagina yeah and like, but there's the rest of me yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. where's the foreplay that yeah. guys yeah. just don't care about yeah. and it's, it's really interesting because that's I, a generalization yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like really interesting for me to to sleep with someone like in their early 20s because oh, i was yeah. like oh wow like you don't really know what you're doing and then yeah. also like you know that they watch porn and stuff so but I think porn yeah is a a real issue that's we're facing now and also I was so I was reading this book um the brain that changes itself which is a really great book and there's a whole chapter on basically how like porn is rewiring men's brains and it will rewire like so then they don't they when they actually are faced with a real woman they can't they don't know what to do they don't get turned on they're Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. that kind of thing so I think that's something that I think is slowly being addressed in, like, in terms of, like, the... Is it? We, we, is it? we are um, at school. Yeah, yeah. Think, we're yeah. addressing porn and the okay. impact that it can have on the brain and the, and the sex right. life and okay. people's attitudes towards um, relationships How? and sex and... And also the fact that there's a – we talked about on our, yes, our podcast about there's a very good TED Talk that we show about mm. the impact of porn. But the fact that they can get so desensitized that when they go to have sex themselves, they can't keep hard or get it up or be sexually turned on because it's not what they've – you know, they're not mm-hmm. having that visual stimulation yeah. that yeah. they're used to. Yeah, yeah. and that's – but, like, then again, like, I had a friend who went off porn completely because – and, and mm-hmm. then – it took about, I think, about a month. Yeah. And then he was, like, sort of back to normal. So yeah. it can it can work. But it, can, just, it can work, yeah. yeah. But I what I also read from that study mm. is that it depends on the age you are. So the older men, because this tends to be mainly a male problem, the older men who went off porn and uh, did like a porn detox, they got back their natural wiring faster but actually the uh, the kids that grew up with porn so that's all they they've known it took longer for their brains to rewire themselves makes sense because their brains are young brains so 
if you're exposing a young brain to anything that's kind of potentially addictive, where there's lots of dopamine going on, the brain does rewire itself, right? Well, it's also, so, and it takes longer in in that time as like your formative your formative mm-hmm. years yeah. as well. So then yeah. that's something that you are just you're stuck with really yeah. between the ages of like eight to eighteen. Like yeah. that's what you, you sort of know and is in your yeah. brain. So it's it's very difficult. Yeah. I recorded an episode with Jules on her podcast talking about porn and and my thing, my key takeaway for her listeners was that porn is entertainment, it's not education. But because there is such a vacuum that exists in sex education, it is being taken as sex education. And um, yeah, or kids are searching it out because yeah. they're not getting it anywhere else. Absolutely, mm. yeah. And when you're young, how are you supposed to know better? You don't. Mm. I think there's a great podcast called The Butterfly Effect. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Wasn't and it like, brilliant it was, about the porn industry. Yeah, and yes. like how one thing leads to another. But also I think the real takeaway from that was like how custom porn and how it's like, you know, just – like people want videos of just saying like I love you and like you know people are craving still that intimacy which is still nice to hear that yeah. even after all that and like porn and hardcore porn it's like oh people are still saying like oh I still want that intimacy because that, everyone's vulnerable they all yeah. want they yeah. want that it was also very interesting to see how much free porn has changed the porn mm. industry and mm-hmm. how it's really yeah. ta- it's tanking because it's all so yeah. accessible and free yeah and yeah and there was just a real sort of element of sadness about the whole thing wasn't there even though there were women who were very happy in their careers that were interviewed Mm -hmm. there were some others that got murdered like there was there's a whole gamut of stuff but yeah, John Ronson, he's awesome and it's yeah, a great, it's a great, great podcast. podcast. I, I, yeah. it. I recommend it to everyone. Mm. I'm like, you got to listen to that. Yeah. But uh, I think just quickly, the other the other thing that I think is affecting the young generation is social media mm-hmm. and coming back to the body image thing of like, mm-hmm. you know, constantly just like waking up, looking at your phone mm-hmm. and looking at Instagram and looking at these models who are, most of them are fake photos or like, you know, or, like, or, or your friends Photoshop yeah, to yeah, Photoshop of the, your life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was just recently in LA and now there's this big thing. I don't know if they have them here, but they're basically like museums or galleries for millennials to come in and take Instagram photos. So they set up like a random like gallery, like exhibition bits and like with flowers on the wall or these random places. So literally the whole tourism is like for young people to come in and take like photos of themselves and these things and put it on oh, Instagram. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's so it's like this fake yeah. life that everyone's like looking at and being like, oh, I got to look like her. I got to do mm-hmm. this. And it's mm-hmm. like, I think that's really an issue yeah, with the yeah, so like, You could go on pressure. Instagram tours now on mm. Airbnb. So yeah, you, wow. if you go to a new city, you can go on Instagram tour. So they'll take you to all of these places and they'll take yeah. photos for you. Yeah, that's crazy. I think that one of the things that I was researching when I was looking at this episode was the fact that young people are actually having less sex than all of the previous generations before them. And I think, you know, some of the things we talked about might have a big contributing factor. I think porn definitely and the fact that it's so accessible and it dilutes the sex drive, really. If you have porn, why do you really have to go out and meet a real person? But what else do you think is going on? Pressure to get to university, get good grades, studying, having to work harder, um, the just the whole sort of financial pressure. You know, young people these days to yeah. think about buying a house or doing anything like that is so difficult for this younger generation. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot Especially more. Especially pr- in Hong Kong. Yeah. I mean, young I know, people in crazy. Hong Kong. I don't know if you've 
uh, been watching the news recently. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They I don't really have that. I feel like there's prospects. bigger, bigger things to fight as well. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. sex is kind of like you know you got the environmental crisis as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a lot of mm-hmm. youth that are really like yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And protesting. then maybe it speaks also to sex education being improved and people being more aware of the risks involved and and perhaps even people being more picky. What else do you wish you learned in sex ed that we didn't talk about? So we talked about consent. We talked about boundaries. Boundaries. We talked about relationships and valuing yourself. We talked about body confidence and you know body positivity. Mm. Saying no. Saying yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. I think like I think it would have been to make it fun, like to be like, oh, oh try these positions or yeah. like, yeah. you know, like, oh, uh, pleasure. You know, yeah, yeah, pleasure. Pleasure. And yeah. yeah. And it's okay to be sexy. And, and, uh, yes. and yeah. like sex toys are healthy as well. Mm-hmm. Like because a lot of men Masturbation. feel. Masturbation. Masturbation. That, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. know anything about that. Yeah. No, no, no. That would have been nice. Uh, yeah. I think like, yeah, like more more fun and being like, oh, yeah. Like, but I suppose as a teacher, you can't be like, you got to try this position. Might be a little bit weird. But I think the thing that. Say things like masturbation is normal yeah, and yeah. it's it, you know as long as you're doing it in private <laughs> privacy of your own home <laughs> yeah not on the fine. bus or, yeah. Yeah. but um, I feel like the fact that sex is fundamentally pleasurable, pleasurable. and you can doesn't say really that get talked kids. about yeah. much no it, no <laughs> it doesn't but we do you do yeah so who should be teaching sex ed people who are comfortable teaching it and who have done the work to research mm. and you know yeah. what everything's at our fingertips so if somebody asks me a question and I don't know, I'll just say, I don't know. Let's research that. You know, I don't pretend to know stuff if I don't know it. But I think it's got to be people who are comfortable and able to talk about it in a very free, easy, mm-hmm. positive, communicative way, way yeah. where, children, where the students don't feel uncomfortable. Because a lot of And you it, can have a laugh. Yeah. You know? A lot of it in Hong Kong is I think the parents think it's the job of the teachers and it's the job of the school. And I disagree with that because I actually think that you get, yes, maybe the more standard sex education in school, but I think you can learn sex ed anywhere. You can learn it, obviously, from your parents. Your parents really set role models. But I think you can even learn it sometimes from your friends. If you've got really great sex positive friends, I mean, I think one of the first times I really understood what challenges gay people go through is when I really had a gay friend and he just sat down and told me his entire story. And then I was like, wow, I never really thought about that. And, you know, people's stories are also really powerful and that can also be a form of sex ed, I feel. I think with it, when it comes to parenting, it stems from right from a very young age. I think like the whole thing about Calling everything a penis and a vagina and breasts and using mm-hmm. the correct language and mm-hmm. making, you know, letting the children know that it's fine to talk about these things and that normalizing it a bit. And then when they become teenagers, if you've started like that, and, you know, there's that whole thing about consent for touching young children and stuff mm, like yeah. that, you know, yeah. teaching your kids that they don't have to give a kiss to every auntie or grandparent mm, or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. and that they don't have to be touched by other adults if they don't want to be. Yeah. And yeah. all of that, you know, instilling that from a young age and being – and I think as parents we've got to speak positively about our own bodies yes. and we've got to be positive about our own sexuality and, I mean, you know, of course they're little kids, you're not – totally open but they can mm-hmm. still pick up the energy and the messages totally mm-hmm. so totally. i think or, so it starts very young and then if you do all of that then it's not orcs if you suddenly mm. when they're 15 yes. or 13 yeah 
You're like, okay, now we want to talk about wet dreams and condoms. And, <laughs> and they're like, where and, did this come yeah, from? Yeah, like, yeah. What? Yeah, you've never mentioned anything yeah. ever. Get away. That's great. And to be fair, some parents aren't comfortable and some kids aren't comfortable with their parents talking about this stuff. But I think it's still worth a shot if you're a parent. Mm. And I think, you know. Keeping the line, so like my daughter always knew that if she got accidentally pregnant or if something went wrong, she could come to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's important. You've got yeah. to let your children know that if something happens and they need advice or support or help, they can come to you and you're not going to judge them and you're not going to get angry with them. I think that's super important. Yeah, I, I was lucky. Like my mum always said to me, but more—I think it was more selfish. She was like, "If you ever get pregnant, just have it, and, and like I'll look after it. Don't have an abortion. Don't have. It. I just want to look after it." I'm like, "Okay, mum," which is probably now why she's like, "Are you going to have grandkids anytime soon?" Like, but uh, I think it's—I think for me, like it was like older cousins or so people who are still part of your family. But then asking them about it. But I'm a very big like like all my gay friends. Like they're the ones who taught me how to give a blowjob. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it it helped a lot. So yeah. you know, like little things like that where it's like yeah talking to like older peers mm-hmm. and not being afraid like yeah to, like cousins or you know mm-hmm. people like that like that are like still kind of your age but a little bit older and can yeah. like be like hey like this is this is this and this is that so what are some good sex ed resources that you'd suggest or recommend mm. i'm sure think, you would yeah, be full yeah, of them jules do, yeah. <laughs> like I've got loads. I would actually recommend Hannah Winton on YouTube. She's a okay. YouTuber. She's got I don't mm-hmm. know 400 I don't know, four million followers or <laughs> yeah, four, whatever yeah, it yeah. is. Like, yeah. But she does loads of YouTube videos and it's so – she's so good. She's so knowledgeable. It's really brilliant for teenagers mm-hmm. and I use it in class all the time. I think she's awesome. There's a bunch of – Australia's very good for sex ed resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, There's yes. loads of great resources in Australia. <laughs> yeah. is, there, is there any Aussie men reading these? Yeah. Or? <laughs> so, You're just moving in the wrong circles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my favourite is this one by La Trobe University. It's Australian. It's uh, the Practical Guide for Love, Sex and Relationships. And it's www.lovesexrelationships.edu.au. And they've got loads of really cool videos and for parents and for kids and also like teaching materials as well. So yes, I, really I know love that, that one. one. That's great. Yeah. And there's another one called Sex Education Australia. Mm-hmm. And that's very good for parents and teachers. That's, okay. a, that's a good resource. And there is kidshealth.org is another good one. That's really good for puberty mm-hmm. and for getting to know your body and just understanding mm-hmm. the changes sort of before sex. And then there's an app called Real talk which is a really really great app for teenagers Mm. and it's a sex ed app and they can put their questions in it and get answers from this app so that's really cool and then I absolutely love the sex education show from the UK so it's a tv show the first one was like seven in 2007 but it's still very relevant it's done so well but they also have a website called the sex education show But they've done old people, they've done a number of different series, Mm -hmm. but I still use the first series, bits of it for teaching and showing the kids. So they do everything from tantra to gender, sexuality, STIs, condom Mm -hmm. use, Mm -hmm. um, STI testing. They show show the full body. It's really excellent. And yeah, so I really love the sex education show from the UK as well. That is cool. Yeah. I love Hannah Winton too. She's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, but I I think also the idea that sex is an ongoing learning journey, you know, podcasts, YouTube channels, wherever you like to 
consume your content. Whatever, whatever, and like really. is uh, interesting to you or what you want to yeah. find out about as well. Yeah. Whether it's like you know a queer like or him like queer whatever. Podcast. Yeah. Dan yeah. Savage, I love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. not that his is a particularly queer podcast, but he has a lot of LGBT. Yes, he does. Themes. Yeah, I've listened In to a it. lot yeah. of his stuff. He's mm. very good. He's very. There's just good. a lot of yeah. content out there that you yeah. can yeah find. You can for you. So okay, we've come to the very last section. This is the section which is our little quickie but goodie section. I ask the questions, and you have two seconds to respond <laughs> in as humorous a way or whatever way truthful. Oh no, we're under pressure. <laughs> truthful way, yes, as possible. So these are questions you have not received. Okay, here we go. Spontaneity. <laughs> All right. So if you if you don't have an answer, it's fine. We'll just move on. So first question is: If you had to choose other animals to replace the bird and the bees, because I always thought they were very strange animals. Which animals would you pick? The hare and the tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rabbits oh. is a good one. Yeah, rabbits. I was yeah. gonna say, yeah, yeah, the hare and the tortoise. Yeah, I don't know. I would, I'd probably think like the Lion King. I don't know, like felt like a lion and like <laughs> lions. It's like okay. So if you could pick someone to be your sex ed teacher, who would you rather it be? Judy Dench, Michelle Obama. Or Robin Williams. Michelle Obama. I'll say, I'd say Robin Williams. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I think he'd make it really fun. Yeah. Why Michelle Obama? I just think she's awesome. Yeah. She's really, awesome. She, really I mean, it's her. a tough... She's so down to yeah, earth. It's, oh, it yeah, it was a tough I choice. could learn from her and yeah. I want to be like her. Yeah. I think she's great. Well, every yeah, time she opens she, her mouth, you're like, yes. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. a great role she model. She is a great role Absolutely, model. Like, yeah. to, to have the opportunity to yeah. meet her and have <laughs> yeah, sex yeah, with her would be amazing. Amazing. Okay. So have you ever sexted someone? What's your favorite sext either to give or receive? I have sexted someone only probably once in my life and I sent okay. a Valentine's picture of my boobs. Oh. But very like my face and <laughs> my face and my boobs and, and, and a purple bra. And they're really That's great nice. photos. That's yeah, nice. they're, they're yeah. very yeah. artistic and beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I've only yeah. done that once. All okay. the time. All yeah. the time. I, I also <laughs> do every, every day. I'm also all the time yeah. too. I, I also do like live FaceTiming, yeah. but we call it sit on my FaceTime. Right. Oh, <laughs> See, that's there's a no, generation. No, it's so I've true. It I'm all the time all too. The time. And I have to say I, I, I quite enjoy it. the good but dick pic. Like yeah. solicited dick pics. Dick pic. Very different ones, from yeah. the unsolicited ones. Unsolicited but I, I, yes. I quite enjoy yeah. it. I think for me it's like yeah. that's more about like me feeling good about myself. Like yeah. taking a sexy photo and being like, I look good. Like that's yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's one thing that's helped you get better in bed and gain confidence as a lover? communication talking mm -hmm. to people and about what I want and what I don't like and mm -hmm. everything like that that's yeah. been a huge thing for me yeah, yeah. being um, open and honest I think self-esteem and body positivity yeah if you feel good about yourself and you don't give a crap what anyone else <laughs> thinks then it's easier to go wild and go for it Definitely. yeah, yeah. Definitely. and also knowing what works like I know the best way that I can have mm -hmm. orgasms mm -hmm. so I just Absolutely. force them into that position <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love yeah, it. asking uh, for what you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Like, nah, that's so yeah. important. That's so important. Yeah. For me, it's overcoming sexual shame. So, as you can yeah. hear, my background was full of shame, mm. and overcoming that has been a process, and it's really helped me. So, finish this sentence. The world would be a better place if sex ed was blank. Mandatory in mm -hmm. all schools, mm -hmm. and that it was honest and open, yeah. and as full as it could be for 
all sexualities and genders. Mm-hmm. Wow. What she said. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like, like practically yeah, everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much, yeah. Jules and Elena, for joining me today. It was a great discussion. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was yeah. so much fun. It's great fun. <laughs> Absolutely. So before I wrap up the episode, Elena, what's the best way for people to find you? Best way to find me is at Elena Gabrielle on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to yeah. find. Yeah. Or Story Party Tour, either either. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, uh, I, I love your Instagram account, Story Party Tour, by <laughs> yeah. the way. It makes me laugh. They've got all of these quotes of funny dating stories. And uh, live storytellers from Very around the world. well curated. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. and what about you, Jules? How can people find out what I'm you're up to? I'm on www.hongkongconfidential.net and Insta Hong Kong Confidential. Fool me twice and Jules underscore in underscore HK and then same on pretty much the same on Facebook. Awesome. So listeners, I'd love to hear from you what your key takeaway was from this episode. What do you wish you learned in sex ed? Find me at Hello Sarah Sense on Instagram or drop me a line at sarahsense.com. I'd love to hear from you. We still have a ways to go with sex ed, but do check out those resources that we mentioned. They'll all be linked in the show notes and I think education is really fundamental to staying safe, having a great sex life, and being better in bed. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having us. (laughs) Stay sexy.